if you understand that, you know, what is the bigger challenge that you are so, that you are solving for people? What is the bigger problem that you are assisting with them with? What is your deeper reason for doing what you do? Then the how part of it, like the the how you execute on it, is actually not as relevant um, because you'll always find a way to make it work. You are listening to one more question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, "Can we just ask you one more question?" And that's the antithesis of what this podcast is. It's about sharing the best conversations we've had with significant creators, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating purposeful brands. This season is focused around unpacking the topic of purpose, exploring what purpose means in its many forms, and we share how people are using purpose to build great companies and successful brands. I'm your host, Ross Drex. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Eric Kruger. Eric is an international speaker, a team coach, and an author. When he speaks, he focuses on personal and team effectiveness. When he coaches, it centers on teams and how to get them to perform well together. He sent over 800 daily emails, the best of which he summarized into his book, Acton on Verba. We talk about how to evolve, using your purpose as a guide, seeking challenges to help you grow, and what teams need to focus on in order to be effective in this time. Enjoy. So welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that we finally managed to actually put this together and there are no builders next door or uh, trucks in the streets. Some nice peace and quiet. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting that, the, uh, you know, you would assume that having a video call or a, a, an audio call would be easy under lockdown, but uh, it seems like the world, even if even if the human beings are under lockdown, things are still happening um, <laughs> in, in the background. Yeah, so so I mean, I think very interestingly, you know, b- before we hit the record button, we were discussing the the thread of this episode, and and I think you know what we pulled out was this idea of evolution, um, you know, and how you as a person and you as a, a I suppose a business practitioner have have evolved over time. Can you, just for the sake of the audience, give a little bit of a rundown of of you know the, the daily emails mm. of Better Man, which is I think sort of how we first came in contact with each other and and how how that started and and where it's led you. So you know to put it really in context, um, today I speak at conferences, I coach executives and executive teams. Uh, but when I qualified in 2007, I qualified as a physiotherapist. So there's been a, a lot of evolution that has happened in the past 10, 11 years or so. Um, when I initially graduated as a physio, I realized that this really wasn't for me. I didn't want to spend my day massaging people. And um, I found myself sort of in the in the rehab space where we worked with a lot of hip replacements and it was just kind of the same thing over and over. And I just, I knew that I, I wanted to do something else. So I started all these different side hustles. And essentially what that meant was that in about three or four years, uh, I registered more than 40 domain names. And I thought each of those domain names would be built into a website. And that website will ultimately give me the ultimate freedom and all the passive income that I ever needed. And of course, none of that worked out because I never <laughs> realized that Building a business actually requires some time and effort on your behalf, and you can't just split it between ten different projects. 
But what eventually happened was I, I almost gave up on the idea of building this online thing. And I just said to myself, just do what you love. And what I love is personal development. And at that time, I wanted to document my own journey of personal development. This was around 2015. And what came from that was a website called Better Man. And really it was, it was just going to be me documenting my journey, interviewing successful men. Uh, I had, this is like my very first podcast back in the day even. Uh, I had uh, Tim Noakes on, Maps Maponyane, um, I can't remember who else. But very soon I realized that this sort of niche of self-development for men actually had some legs and the community that that sort of came from it was just astonishing. In about two years, we grew to 18,000 members uh, that were part of our Facebook group community. Um, I started sending out a daily email because I, I was constantly thinking, how do I better communicate my message? And I tried everything. And then I thought, well, what about this short daily message that I can just send to people? And that really um, went down very well. I had about 18,000 subscribers as well at the peak um, of the email newsletter. And then it was very interesting that as the community grew, guys just started saying, listen, we want more. Like, what can you offer us? You know, like we want to do events. And so we started hosting events. And what that did is it, it put me back on stage and I had to share a message as the founder of Better Man and as the event organizer. And I, I, it sort of rekindled my love for being on stage. Uh, we ended up having events almost every single month. We had all these big, awesome sponsors involved. And then guys started saying, well, can you do coaching? And, you know, being, being the entrepreneur, like you never say no. You always just say yes and then you go <laughs> figure it out. So I said, sure, I do coaching. And then uh, went and found every single textbook I could find on coaching, read through all the models, wrote them all on a big whiteboard, and tried to, from that, create my own model. Because um, I've never just wanted to slot into other people's models. I want my own model. And I uh, started coaching. And I was probably a, a really horrible coach back in the day, but <laughs> I, I fell in and out of love with it many times. And then eventually I just realized, you know, this is, it's so in line with just who I want to be. And I've, I've, the thread throughout my life has always been, how can I help other people? How can I serve them and you know for a long time it was let me help them recover from illness or from trauma physically let me help them to rehabilitate themselves whereas now it's more about how can i be a thinking partner how can i bring out your best thinking and in that way help you to create your best life and is this um is this clarity something that you you've always had or has it sort of evolved over time has it you know has it not evolved has it kind of sort of coalesced over time um or have you always been super clear that that self-development and, and helping people develop themselves is your your purpose i think i've always known that i want to be of service to others and it's probably you know partly in due my, my mom is a psychologist my dad's a pastor so they're both in in that line of of work so if I think back to when I made the decision to become a physiotherapist, um, what drove it was I want to help others. And I guess that's always just sort of been the underlying theme. And the what part of it, the what you are doing to help others, that's definitely evolved. Mm. But the um, the clarity that I want to be of service to others has always been there. Um, and, you know, so I, I ended up doing my master's degree in business and executive coaching because I wanted to kind of formalize my coaching practice so that, you know, you're not, not just another coach that woke up one day and decided to do coaching. 
even though I have nothing against that because that's exactly how I did it. Um, but that's, you know, ultimately what led me to where I am today, which is working with these incredible management and executive teams, um, speaking, I, I want to say across the world, because I've done my first international uh, talk recently, which I'm, I'm really happy about. Just in time. Just in just time. Just in time to get <laughs> shut down. Listen, <laughs> I, dude, I was at the, at the conference and I was like, yes, like first international event. And then um, it was for discovery. And then the guy came to me and said, listen, pretty much all our events for the rest of the year has been canceled. I'm like, oh, like this is just, you know, just my luck. <laughs> you know, weird. So, so I suppose my, my, you know, to lead on with this, so, so you, you were doing very well. You had 18,000, you know, an audience of 18,000 engaged members. You were starting to, to figure out different products and services and things that you could offer them to, to give them more value. Now, now what did you do to, to, you know, what, in, what inspired you to take the leap, you know, to, to ultimately shift all of that into to your newest um, venture? You know, um, it's very interesting how when I look at the transition from better man to where I am today. So I, I have a coaching consultancy, consultancy called Modern Breed. And if I look at the transition that has happened over the past four years, it's very much been a push into this new direction of work. You know, like, I think for many people, we, we kind of wonder, like, do we get pushed into what we do or do we get pulled into it? And I think perhaps if you have like this big overarching purpose, like that might pull you into a certain line of work. But for this, I was, even though I had the purpose, it almost felt like I was being pushed because the community was saying to me, listen, can you do coaching? You know, and like they, that sort of pushed me in that direction. And then like, can we do these events sort of pushed me into speaking. And as I, as I ended up doing those things and I asked myself, well, what does the best version of this thing look like? Mm. Um, you know, speaking to me, the best version of that was speaking internationally to big audiences, um, coaching men, coaching people at the top of their games, the elite, uh, exco teams. That's the kind of space that I wanted to play in. And what became quite difficult at some point was that, and, and it was a huge internal battle for me, was that I built Betterman, this amazing community that has, like, I've served them well, but they've also served me so well in helping me to uncover these new things that I want to do. But it almost became an anchor that prevented me from properly stepping into this like new life and this new role that I created for myself. Because what would happen is I would uh, be approached by an organization to speak at the event. And when they do a bit more research and they find, because, you know, I put a lot of content, but then they find that it's that I'm so closely tied to better man. And they would say, well, are you able to speak to women? And I was like, of course I can speak to women. But they started thinking that my main topic and my main approach is speaking to men and mainly speaking about masculinity. So it was it was kind of difficult to break into the business side of things and into the leadership side of things without um, severing myself from better men. And so that was ultimately what I, what I had to do was I had to almost leave better man behind. And I tried so many different ways to bring it into the future with me. And that, mm. you know, I tried rebranding it. I tried, um, you like keeping it to the side, but not as active and, and none of it worked. You're holding onto it as hard as you possibly yeah. could, but it couldn't come with. It just couldn't come with. 
And uh, I mean, I think what's really interesting here is that, you know, for me, I think what you've done is you've accidentally stumbled into something where if you if you pull a community or a group of people together around a purpose, which is is what you you did with Better Man, and you engage them in two way conversation, you know, in in a proper a proper relationship where they're able to give you feedback and you giving them stuff, and it, it becomes a a cycle that the that community or that group of people will will really force you to to give them what they want. Mm. You know, they're, they're not going to just quietly sit back and let you tell them all the things you think they want. They're going to tell you exactly what what they want and what they need. Um, and I think you you very cleverly pivoted and evolved yourself into the the need that was coming out of that community even if it meant that the community itself you know would would be left behind mm. by this new new thing you know and it's it's so difficult because i guess part of the guilt that you end up feeling is that everyone in the community essentially helped you to discover this new thing about yourself and they've helped you to um you know the community gave me credibility as well and in, in the very early days of my coaching, I didn't have the skills, but I had the trust of many people. And so they pulled me into these very high level coaching engagements because they trusted me. And because of that, I was able to develop the skill. And because of that, I was able to get into other engagements. But then you move on from that community. And so you, mm. you kind of feel, you know, you trusted me and I helped, you know, we all built this thing together, but now I'm leaving you behind for something else. And uh, that was quite a big struggle for me as well to deal with, which is why I think I, I tried so hard to rebrand and to somehow figure out a way to, you know, at one point I turned it into better X and mm. better X was supposed to be cool. Like you can be better at whatever you want. Like if you want to be a better leader, cool. If you want to be a better woman, cool. Like whatever, we'll fill in the X. You can come to this community and we'll help you to be better. But I, what I realized is the moment I did that, you kind of lose the nicheness about it um, and what made it so special. And that's a, a big thing that I think a community has to do right is you have to cater to a very specific kind of person. And to say like, come here, you know, irrespective of what you want to be better at, it's just too vague and too broad. And it almost loses the sense of belonging that you can create when a community is much tighter and much more focused on maybe even a demographic or um, a specific purpose or, or, um, or function. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's totally true. And I think if you take it into the world of sort of branding and, and marketing and business, I think the companies that do very well are the ones that are exceedingly specific about who they serve. Mm. They're saying, you know, you, you, we service this market in this need. I mean, uh, there's a, a man I know called Brandon Dempsey. He's got a company called Go Brand Go. And they are so specific in their targeting. They say that they target businesses. I think it's in mainly in manufacturing that are run by a founder who's in his 50s, late 50s to early 60s, who's looking to do a leadership transition in the next 10 years. Wow. That and is very specific. It's, I mean, it's massively <laughs> specific. And, and, but I think the beauty of it is it's if you are 
a man in your 50s and 60s mm. who's looking to do a leadership transition in manufacturing, mm. there is only one logical choice as to where to go. <laughs> you know, you're not just going to go to a generic branding company, mm. you know, because if you look at a generic company over a specialist company, it makes a huge, a huge difference. And, and I think, you know, what's interesting is you can start to, to customize your services and your 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 offering and your products and your you know like everything you do to that niche mm. um you know but i think what sorry go ahead i think what you stumbled into is that that by being in a really niche it's very powerful but i think it's also you know you can outgrow that niche or you mm. can you know and, and i think it's this is quite a relevant conversation right now because we're in this time when i think if if people and businesses don't have a very hard look at what they what they have and what they, you know, be intentional about what they're going to keep and what they're going to invest in and what they're going to leave behind, it's going to make the next the next while more difficult. You know, and um, what was kind of interesting for me during that time is that we overtook uh, GQ's Facebook page in like <laughs> the, the course of a year and a half. You know, and they they entrenched business, been around for ages, uh, much bigger budgets than we have, much bigger brand name, but people just resonated. Like it was so so clear, better man. Like if you want to be a better man, this is where you go. And then within better man, we had all these sort of subset niches um, that then started appearing because we had the community was so actively involved that guys would say, listen. Um, Many of you in here might be struggling with substance abuse and I'm someone who's been through it. Um, let's do like a support circle and, and have a conversation about this once a week. And we had masterminds that sort of developed out of it. And guys were saying, cool, let's meet five five thirty in the morning um, and we'll have like three or four groups that are running. So there were all these different sub, subsets that ended up coming out of it. And you are always so scared when you start talking about niching. It always just feels like you are narrowing your world and you're going to lose out on so much business, but it's always so counterintuitive that it actually just brings a lot more business to your door. So, so now, now you've you've cut um, Better Man, where you've you've held onto it for as long as possible. You've rebranded <laughs> it, and it's it's all done now. Can you can you talk a little bit about how you you sort of bring in this purpose of of helping people? Um, to life now like what are you where are you focusing your work mm. uh, you know how are you communicating with people what are like tell us a bit about the activities that you are taking part in now cool so i still have the better man facebook group uh, but i actually just I'm, I'm now calling it eric kruger so it's just it's where i end up posting most of my content and i'm happy to engage with people over there but i still haven't gotten it back to the engagement levels that we had before so but it's it's top of mind and it feels more aligned with where I am and, and what I'm doing. So at this stage, my, my main focus is really working with teams. Um, it's where I spend most of my time. And then I'd say second to that would be uh, being at conferences or uh, speaking at an offsite, anything related to that. So um, my future is really about coaching, speaking and writing. Like those are the three things that I want to build out on. And I think as part of that, um, I'm also doing a, a podcast with John Sane. He's a very good friend of mine, and we call it The Expansive. And we've also been on a, on a crazy journey over the past few weeks with 
with the lockdown and with everything that happened around the pandemic, trying to figure out what is the best way for us to serve our audience. Because, you know, we we both obviously have individual audiences, but then there's been this beautiful sort of overlap when we do the expansive podcast. Um, it's, it's been really well received. And I, I think like the um, the biggest challenge for us in the past few weeks is like, how do we add more value to people during this time? And it, it led us down all these weird rabbit holes. We did a series called The Wartime CEO, uh, which was interviewing CEOs around what are the choices and decisions they've made during this time. We did something called The Expansive Brain Trust. And essentially what we wanted to do was create a mastermind where people can access all of our content. So, Because I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Like You have so many people that you like to follow, but their content is sort of all over the show. So we thought, cool, let's do a Patreon channel where all our content goes in there, um, our expansive stuff, our own individual uh, content as well. And then on top of that, we'll create like specific masterclasses and, and content related to whatever challenges our audience are going through and post that into Patreon as well. But that, you know, we ended up just feeling kind of weird about it because, you know, the entire conversation we had before we jumped on the call about like, how do you sell during this time and what do you sell and what is the best approach? And we just mm. felt like it wasn't the best time to try and monetize our audience. So we actually, we backed off that. And as it stands now, we are back to the expansive podcast happening once a week. Um, and that feels like a sort of a good cadence and a good way of giving back. So I don't know if that answers your question, but you know, I think what I've realized during this time, and I, I actually think it was Simon Sinek who said this, you know, what, like, where does your identity lie? And if your identity lies as a speaker, or if, if that's the only way that you think about yourself, then when there's turmoil in the world, when things are changing, then the only real question you have is, well, how do I change my speaking? So do I take it from offline to online? Whereas if you understand that, you know, what is the bigger challenge that you are so that you are solving for people? What is the bigger problem that you are assisting with them with? What is your deeper reason for doing what you do? Then the how part of it, like the the how you execute on it, is actually not as relevant um, because you'll always find a way to make it work. Mm. Um, so I, I guess that's been playing in my mind a lot lately. Even though I, I literally updated my my website yesterday to say speaker, writer, executive coach. I mean, I like the simplicity and the clarity of it, but I also enjoy that it's it's un, underpinned by that purpose that you've had for so long, which is helping people. Because mm. you know, you can see how every one of those, well, I can see how one of every one of those those things is underpinned by that. Um, can you tell me? I mean, you, you've released two books. There's Lockdown Leadership and Instant Evolution that you're just giving away for free. You're not even hiding them behind. Um, give us your email address mm. or anything like that. Can you, uh, you know, I mean, just as, as a guidance for anyone who's who's thinking about trying to to communicate and to market to people in this time, like, like why have you done that and, and what was your thinking behind it? And what was the, the strategy that you deployed to to create these pieces that are, are very valuable? You know, so I decided to give them away because, again, like, it kind of feels weird to to even ask people for their email addresses because it's such a it's such a like valuable thing these days, right? Like you don't just want to give your personal information away. I don't know. We've we've developed this whole thing around it. So 
I, I wanted to reach as many people as possible. And I wanted to, in the process, also build my brand. That was one of the kind of main directives for myself that I set when we went into lockdown is I sat down and I said, well, what are the three things that you can do that when you come out of lockdown, you are going to have a stronger brand than before. And writing was one part of that for me. And then it was just weird. And I think it's maybe, you know, partly the fact that we had more time and more space to think and to create. When I sat down to start writing, it just kept going, which doesn't usually happen. Usually there's sort of some sort of a limit that I hit. But this time it just kind of kept going. And I would sit down and I'd say, cool, let me just write a book about, uh, you know, the mindset shifts that I think people need to go through. And I'd start writing. And when I look up, um, sitting at 1,500, 2,000 words, I'm like, oh, but I actually still have a bit more to say. And so both of these ended up being about 4,000 words plus. Um, and the one is all around virtual leadership. And the other one is all around the mindset and behavioral shifts that we need to adopt to really thrive in a world that looks nothing like before. And so I think ultimately for me, it was just, I want to be of service as much as possible. And I, I said to you offline that I have this quote that I kind of live by, which is mind share before market share. And it seems like a really good way to market yourself during this time. It's just to be top of mind to find people to collaborate with. Um, I've reached out to a few organizations to say to them, listen, I'll do this webinar for you for free because I know that if I, if I do that for them, they also put me in front of their audience. And all I'm really doing is I'm building goodwill. And there's a time when people start spending money again. Uh, so many organizations have frozen their budgets. And I completely get that. And even big organizations that I would normally charge my full keynote fee for, I'm doing, I'm doing free <laughs> keynotes for them. But it's because I know that that goodwill at some point translates into something else. So, I, you know, it's a very difficult time. And I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position that I don't have many employees who are uh, dependent on me. I don't have massive overheads. I, ha I run a very, very lean operation. And so I can weather the storm a bit longer, I think, than many other guys. And I can play the long game and not have to make the immediate sale today. Yeah, I think there's some, some interesting thoughts in there. I love this idea. I mean, we call it social capital. So you're mm. building up social capital. And at some points, you can choose to spend that capital or you can choose not to spend it. You can just, you know, bank that as a nice thing that you did um, for all time. And I think we've seen good examples of organizations doing that and bad examples of organizations doing that. Um, yeah, so in the 99U conference, which is an Adobe conference, they've made completely free this year, hmm. um, you know, which is, uh, I think, amazing. Uh, uh, Sam Harris has got a thing where if you are engaging with this content, a lot of it's behind a paywall. But if you send them an email and just say, hey, I can't pay this, they let you in for free, no hmm. questions asked. I've seen lots of events um, come out and they have different tiers of pricing. So hmm. there's, if you're feeling rich, it's 700 bucks. If you are not feeling rich it's 300 bucks if you are completely screwed and you need this desperately send us an email mm. and we'll let you in for free so i think there's a, a lovely opportunity for people to be very generous in this time what was that the thinking behind the book that you released as well yeah so we had i mean we released a report called finding north again and it was the conversations that we were having with our clients and, and it seemed like what was obvious to us 
was not obvious to many of the people that we were mm. helping. And, you know, we were like, well, how do we, how do we extend that beyond just the, the 20, 30 people we talk to in a week? So we put it all together in one place and, and have just shared it with people. And the response has been amazing. And the stories that come back are so uplifting of people who were, you know, thinking about shutting their business down, have now got a framework to, you know, mm. in which to think, and it might actually help them and it might save their business. And, you know, for me, that's, that's amazing enough. Um, you know, and, and I think what's amazing is, you know, think thoughts and writing and these things are, are, are quite easy to come by. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I, we, we haven't discussed it, but your, your daily email, that just that discipline of creating regularly, you know, makes you better at creating. Mm. So if you're free with your ideas and you're free with your thoughts and you're free with your, you're generous with those, those, those things, you actually end up with more ideas in the long term. Um, and I love that you also talked about collaboration because I think this is the perfect time for for collaboration. And, and I think that gives me an easy segue into to, to sort of the, the last section of the podcast is, you know, you work with teams. Um, and you, you published your your ebook Instant Evolution. Can you just share some of the ways that you see teams and or groups of people functioning going forward? And what are the things that you think people need to be mindful of as as we set out to try and find this? I think people call it the new normal or the next normal, or you know, to just to find kind of solid ground hmm. again. I'll share four quick points. The very first is that I, th I think more than ever, it's important that we commit to the detour and that we stop hanging around in the pit stop. And I, I just, I speak to so many teams, leaders that are still thinking, you know, at some point, you know, we emerge from this and things go back to a relative level of normality, whatever that might be. And the thing is, while you are sitting in that pit stop in that holding pattern, everyone else is passing you by. And so, it just seems like now is the absolute best time for you to commit to becoming the best remote team that you can be. And if you are sitting in the pit stop, you are going to tolerate mediocre remote work because you're just <laughs> going to think, well, you know, this is going to pass. We're going to get back to the office and things go back to like how it's always been. But what's going to happen is you'll emerge from this and you'll have a, a new breed of competition. You'll have teams that have really em embraced remote work and all of a sudden when they are back at the office they now have this entire new range available to them this new way of working that's available to them and that's who you're going to compete against so who do you think comes out of that on top and this new breed of team is a team that has hybrid vigor and hybrid vigor is this idea that we can breed two different species and the offspring then has the best of both worlds so um where I actually came across this was uh, we, we got a Belgian Malinois pup about a year and a half ago, or at least we thought he was a Belgian Malinois. And then we decided to do a DNA test on him. And what came back was that he was actually uh, a cross between an Alaskan Malamute and a German Shepherd. And we, we <laughs> presented this to the trainer who we were with. And she said, oh, that's cool because many times these crossbreeds have hybrid vigor. And what you will see in him is that he has he's German Shepherd, but he doesn't have the sloping back. So very good chance that he won't develop hip dysplasia and all those other things that go with the German Shepherd breed. 
So I, I love this idea that we can take the best of both worlds and we can bring it together and we can create a team that really functions as a hybrid. And what does that look like and how does that work and how does, you know, in, in real life, what does it um, walk, talk and look like? I think that's still to be determined and we'll figure it out as we go. I think the most important thing is for now, commit to the remote work part of it and get that right because it gives you a new language for when you get back to the office and you can ask, well, how do we then sort of bleed these two together? The third thing I want to say, so that was number two, was hybrid vigor. Number three is that we have to really think of online and the way we operate online as a different, um, I can, let's not port it. That's, that's actually what I want to say. Let's not try and port what we do offline to online and think it's supposed to feel the same and be the same and it should be an identical experience because I think that's what many people are trying to do. And I definitely did it initially as well. I would, I would come off a team coaching call and I would just go, you know, it's not the same. And I, I kept running into this, it's not the same brick wall until eventually I realized, you know, it's not the same, but it's also not supposed to be. It's, yeah. it's a completely different, a different medium. Thing. Yeah. And, and it's actually, you know, it opens up new opportunities, new possibilities when you embrace it as a new thing and you don't try and replicate what we do offline online. And I'm already seeing this. And I'm already like on a, on a soapbox about this. I'm already seeing people now uh, taking team building, the cringy little games that we used to play offline, and we are trying to play them online. And I'm like, why? Like, why are you just doing what we used to do offline online? Like, let's, let's reimagine. Let's rethink. Let's use these tools in new and interesting ways. So don't compare your online work to offline see it as a different thing, measure it differently. And then the last thing is that I think teams at this stage really have to move from decoding to encoding. And essentially just where the, what this comes down to is that we don't know what the future is going to look like. I, I mean, we read all these different scenarios every single day. And I, I love reading all the different trends and all the predictions. And some of them have some overlap, but there's also, you know, that's why we present different scenarios because we don't know which scenario ends up playing out. And with the old model of the world where things were relatively stable, we could look into the future a year, three, five years and say, cool, based on you know, where I want to go in the next year, three, five, I can decode the future and say, well, this is what I need to do today to get there. And that model is just not valid at the moment. So mm -mm. instead of decoding, you have to encode, meaning choose your absolute best decisions and actions today and let the future take care of itself. But just get up every day and sit down, create a plan for yourself. And, and uh, you know, I, I kind of mentioned to you earlier that I wanted to make a post about purpose because purpose is this very big thing that drives what we do, you know, and we put a lot of pressure, I, I want to say, um, Society puts a lot of pressure on people to find their purpose so that you can slot into your purpose so you can do your highest level of contribution mm -hmm. or work. And even though that's valid and I think it's really important for you to find that, like you can also just give yourself purpose every single day by finding things to do that are worthwhile and that are meaningful to you. And it doesn't have to be a big overarching purpose. It's just purpose for the day. It's a purpose for getting up at five o'clock. It's a purpose for um, you know sitting down to plan. It gives me a purpose for the day. And I think those sort of micro moments of purpose are just as important as finding your big overall sort of why or purpose. 
So the fourth one is then from decoding to encoding. To encoding. I love that. Um, The last guest on this podcast is a name named Connor Neal. And he shared something that stuck with me is that you don't, you don't find your purpose. You choose your purpose. Mm. Mm. Because we all know what inspires us, what excites us, what makes us, you know, happy, what make, gives us joy. Just it's not always the easy path to choose. And I think it's a series of intentional decisions mm. that you make, which, which shows people what your purpose is. And I think that's true for, for both people and for, for companies. Mm. Um, you know, we, we're going to see a fallout for the companies that have behaved badly during this time. And, you know, I think it's, it's going to come. Mm. Um, and I think the companies and the people, you know, like yourself, who've been very generous and very thoughtful and very intentional about what they're putting out into the world and who it's for and how you're trying to help are going to, going to be in a different space to those that have just been trying to make a, a quick buck. Mm. So Eric, I'd just like to say thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Um, I've enjoyed watching your your evolution. Uh, I love hearing this underlying purpose of, of helping people and being of service to people. And I can see how it's helped you evolve um, and how it's informing the content and the, the work that you're doing today. So thank you so much for everything you're putting out into the world. Yeah, thank you. And the same goes to you. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you in person <laughs> once uh, the lockdown is lifted. On the other side. <laughs> On the other side. My, my current theory is they're going to extend it forever. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm not happy in my little square, square, my, my little piece of land and I'll stay here for the next five years. Listen, dude, thank awesome, you so Eric. much. Cool. Catch you in the next one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. In the words of Carlos Corbian, sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please send it on to them. This is our second season, and we'd be super grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button. And if you think we're worth it, give us a review. We welcome feedback, good or bad. We release an episode every two weeks. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork, a purpose-led branding company in Johannesburg, South Africa. If you'd like to further this conversation, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. And if you're a little bit old school, let us know and we'll make you a mixtape.